America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth is America standing up for right now engaged in a lot of hot air for a cause that is meaningless to most people in the United States of America and how we live our lives. It's one of the arguments going on now among many, many, many arguments. No one can doubt the fact that we are at war, we meaning the world, not specifically the United States, and uh, that uh, there is the most dangerous situation that we have seen many people say since uh, World War II, that's simply not true. The Cuban Missile Crisis was more dangerous when we came close to nuclear war, and there are now reports that based upon the rambling declaration of war that Putin uh, delivered, and uh, that actually apparently there are reports that he actually taped it long in advance while he was still pretending that he was going to have a meeting with President Biden and they were going to work it out. Uh, that didn't actually happen. But uh, the the idea of nuclear war should get everybody's attention, don't you think? Because one thing we know, the Soviet military is no match for the American military except in that one regard of nuclear weapons. They have more nuclear weapons than we do. And... Uh, uh, Putin was indicating that uh, he's prepared to use them. Uh, and that should be deeply alarming. There simply has not been a credible threat from any nuclear power anywhere in the world about actually using those nuclear weapons. This is one of those great blessings that... Uh, I do think helps to show God's hand on America that we didn't go into a nuclear war or nuclear exchange of any kind during the Cuban Missile Crisis, though uh, all, of the, all of the histories show that we were close. That was back in October of 1963. Uh, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Now, of course, we're talking about Ukraine. There are other things that are interesting. There are other things that are important. But right now... When you actually look at people who are getting themselves arrested, there are thousands of anti-war demonstrators, people, decent people, brave people, remarkable people who deserve our support and our admiration in Russia, in Moscow. They're not quite in Red Square. They're in Pushkin Square, which is about 3,000 feet, about 1,000 yards. It's like 10 football fields, and it's, uh, it's close to the Kremlin. And uh, there were people being arrested for demonstrating against Pushkin's decision to go to war. And was it Pushkin's, uh, well, Pushkin's, uh, Putin's decision to go to war? Pushkin is a great poet, uh, not exactly peaceful. Uh, he, uh, I've had a very colorful life, including a lot of very serious duels. But uh, again, any connection with Vladimir Putin, the uh, current dictator of Russia, the war criminal, and he is, uh, that is not a comparison that anyone should make or sustain or even tolerate. Uh, Putin, and, and again, it's clearly, it's a phrase that President uh, Biden used earlier, it's a war of choice. Is there any other reason, any other provocation 
that anyone could actually look at with any honesty or credibility at all and say, yeah, well, this is what pushed uh, Putin into war. Uh, had the United States refused to negotiate? No. Was there an immediate threat from NATO? Was there a problem of Ukraine using nuclear weapons against Russia? That's what Putin, in his increasingly mad and unhinged a commentary, was talking about. And this is another worry that, uh, particularly in Europe, it's concerning people because people live there. What if Putin really is out of his mind? I mean, this is the ultimate out, out uh, nightmare that people have had for years and years and years, is a, a leader coming to power who is going to be so profoundly irresponsible that he will uh, perpetrate the uh, death of thousands of people uh, for no reason at all, just because he can. And that's one of the great advantages of a, a democratic republic where if there truly is a leader who is mentally disturbed and who is not capable of keeping a responsible control on the situation, uh, then there is a means in countries that do operate with an electoral system that you can trust or people have a right to vote where we follow the Declaration of Independence, which uh, means that uh, uh, governments are established to deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. Do you really think the people in Russia right now are giving the consent of the governed? Uh, it's impossible to tell what the public opinion is in Russia, of course, because they don't exactly have notably government-free public opinion polls. But there's reason to believe that with this turnout in Pushkin Square and the demonstrations overnight last night against the decision to go to war, against that decision from the Russian people with uh, President uh, Zelensky of Ukraine giving a moving address, frankly, to the Russian people. And he spoke in Russian. And he speaks, of course, good Russian. Most Ukrainians do. Uh, but uh, he spoke unaccented direct to the Russian people, talking about the fact that Putin's lies, Putin's lies about the genocidal nature, he claims, of the Ukrainian regime. The Ukrainian regime is imperfect. Most regimes are. But uh, guess what? It is a, a pillar of enlightenment and justice compared to what is going on in Russia. Here is the story. It's based on the Telegraph, a um, prestigious uh, British newspaper that does lean to the conservative side. <clears throat> and it says, just after uh, Vladimir Putin launched his invasion of Ukraine, he warned other nations of severe, quote, consequences should they step in. Just how severe? Some are interpreting his remarks as a veiled or even not so veiled threat to use nuclear weapons. The warning. Whoever tries to interfere with us, and even more so to create threats to our country, to our people, should know that Russia's response will be immediate and will lead you to such consequences as you have never experienced in your history, said Putin. We are ready for any development of events. All necessary decisions in this regard have been made. I hope that I will be heard. When he says all necessary decisions in this regard have been made, 
it, it's weird. Why would those decisions have to be made now before the threats materialize? Is he talking about if he is killed or something of that nature that, uh, that they are ready to use nukes? It's extremely worrisome. In his long speech, the Telegraph reports, Putin also reminded the world that Russia remains one of the most powerful nuclear states with a certain advantage in several cutting-edge weapons. Chilling. In the view of Mike Allen at Axios, the implication is clear. This is a rare overt threat of nuclear attack, he writes, adding that rarely in our lifetimes has the world heard more chilling and ominous words. Worse, quote, Madman Putin is sitting on a massive nuclear arsenal and seems impervious to pressure, sanctions, or threats. Coverage elsewhere isn't as definitive in the Telegraph. Uh, they say that Putin appeared to threaten nuclear strikes. I think it's more than uh, appeared. In an essay at Politico, Beatrice Finn, who is a Nobel Prize laureate and executive director of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, assesses all this and writes that suddenly the unthinkable is unfolding before our eyes. That's why I brought up the example of the Cuban Missile Crisis. We ended up with a very strong leadership for the U.S. during that crisis. How'd they get out of it? How do we get out of this? That and more coming up on The Michael Medved Show. Introducing the all-new MySlippers from MyPillow. Two years in development. Designed to wear indoor, outdoor... Medved show, uh, there's a big uh, question that is posed by Joe Lieberman. Remember him? Uh, still somebody who knows as much of uh, about foreign policy as anyone who has recently served in the U.S. Senate. And uh, Joe was a distinguished member of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate for years and years. He writes today about um, the president of Ukraine, uh, Vladimir uh, Zelensky, and uh, he writes, at this year's Munich meeting, which is where Zelensky spoke addressing the West, that was where uh, over the weekend uh, Vice President Harris was there as well. But at this year's Munich meeting, which took place over the weekend, it was sadly clear that NATO's common enemy has reemerged with Vladimir Putin's attempt to reconstitute the Russian Empire by baselessly claiming sovereignty over Ukraine. Uh, but two big questions remain. Would diplomacy and the threat of economic sanctions be enough to stop Mr. Putin from invading? And should NATO be expanded and reformed to meet this new challenge? Mr. Putin has now begun to answer the first question by ordering troops into eastern Ukraine. They're there. They've just taken over the site. It's a wasteland, actually, of the Chernobyl reactor, which was in Ukraine also. The uh, threat of sanctions is not enough to stop him. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky raises both questions in Munich in a disruptive, defiant, 
and memorable speech. Has our world completely forgotten the mistakes of the 20th century, he asked? When does appeasement policy usually lead to? Uh, regarding the threatened economic sanctions against Russia by Europe and the U.S., Mr. Zelensky shouted, What are you waiting for? We don't need sanctions after the bombardment begins. Well, the bombardment has begun. It is proceeding. Now that Mr. Putin's troops, writes Joe Lieberman, have invaded eastern Ukraine, the U.S. and Europe should respond to Mr. Zelensky's plea and immediately impose the strongest possible sanctions with the hope that such a body blow to Russia's economy will stop Mr. Putin from expanding the invasion to the rest of Ukraine. That, that may be too late because things are moving quickly. The Russian troops are moving quickly. Uh, President Biden, uh, he spoke today, coordinating again with our Western allies. And just moments before this show, the President of the United States announced additional sanctions against Russia over the ongoing invasion. This is clip 21. We've been transparent with the world. We've shared declassified evidence about Russia's plans and cyber attacks and false pretexts so that there could be no confusion or cover-up about what Putin was doing. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions and new limitations on what can be exported to Russia. This is going to impose severe costs on the Russian economy, both immediately and over time. We have purposefully designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. I want to be clear. The United States is not doing this alone. And no, we are not. There is strong support for the United States, stronger than expected from uh, Germany, for instance, and also from France. Britain is right there with uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, at question time speaking forcefully and dramatically in the House of Commons, in the British Parliament. But uh, one of the other things, this is just breaking news, uh, the Ukrainian president of Volodymyr Zelensky uh, has now made an offer of weapons that he will provide, the government will provide to citizens to fight Russia. Ukrainian President Zelensky said that the government will provide weapons to all citizens who wish to defend their homeland against Russian attacks. Zelensky also appealed to Russians who live in Ukraine to stage protests against Moscow's decision to send troops into that country. Uh, there's also this memorable tweet. In fact, we can do this as a tweet of the day because I think it's moving. Turn the page now to the Internet. I mean, wow, what a great, smart tweet. Change his password so he no longer has access to his Twitter feed. Did you send the tweet? I did not send that tweet. My system was hacked. I was pranked. Donald Trump hasn't tweeted at us once, and I'm starting to get worried about him. So we have a new tweet. All right. Can I do the honors? Stand by. Tweet alert. The uh, tweet is from Dan Crenshaw, who is the Navy SEAL hero, and he was, who uh, serves in Congress uh, representing a district in Texas. And Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas tweets, Ukrainian government giving weaponry 
to anybody who wants to fight. Good. Get some. May God be with you as you fight for your freedom. And there's a viral video that is also uh, beginning to make the rounds. And this is where we are, friends. It is where we are. It's a viral video of a Ukrainian woman confronting Russian soldiers in Henichesk, Kherson uh, region. And she asks them why they came to our land and urges them to put sunflower seeds in their pockets so that flowers would grow when they die on Ukrainian soil. Um, look, this is the idiocy. I mean, one of the many, many lies that Putin has been telling has been about how it's always been brotherhood and sunshine and flowers and togetherness between Russia and Ukraine. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. We've spoken on this show, and it's one of the most important facts about the Ukraine that you have to know, is that a very significant percentage of the population was deliberately starved to death by the Russian communists in uh, the Stalin era. And it was covered up by American communists like Walter Durante, who we've spoken about with Paul Kangor of Grove City College, won a Pulitzer Prize for the New York Times. That was really fake news because they denied the reality of Holodomor, the best historical estimates. And this is something that I studied in college. And, uh, and since then, they now have uh, the estimates of between four and six million Ukrainians died. They were killed during these deliberate starvation attempts. They were attempts to punish what the communist government called the kulaks. Kulaks were peasants who weren't starving, who were actually uh, able to produce their own food and were resisting being herded into the brutal Bolshevik collective farms. Now, all that history, Vladimir Putin ignores. In fact, the uh, ignoring of history is so grotesque that he has been fact-checked. Uh, let's do that. We will fact-check Putin and maybe even check the advance of his troops. We will be right back on the Medved Show. This is going to be a little bit provocative. Michael Medved show. The question is, how severe the sanctions? What uh, can you possibly do in a situation like this, given the fact that Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the United Kingdom, our most significant ally, as is often the case when uh, the chips are down? And this, of course, goes back to the Atlantic Charter by with President Franklin Roosevelt and uh, the leader who became his friend, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, uh, actually pledging the common interests of the English-speaking world. And that still exists. And it still exists in a time like this. Uh, the, um, the question of more sanctions and what they mean, the reports today were the Russian stock market uh, had kind of a rough day. Yeah, and they have a stock market. They have a they have a, an economy. It is not 
a gigantic economy like Japan or China or the United States or, or France or Britain, uh, it's about the same size as the economy of South Korea. But, of course, Russia is a far more populous country and a vastly larger country than South Korea, which is kind of little in terms of land area. Ukraine, as I'm sure you've been hearing, is about the size of Texas. It's also not a small country. It is, in land area, it's the second largest country in Europe next to Russia itself. And the reports are that uh, in Kharkiv, uh, Ukraine, which is the second largest city. It's the big city in the east uh, of Ukraine. And Kharkiv is a city that, unlike Kiev, is not mostly Ukrainian. I believe that the majority of people who live in Kharkiv are, um, are Russian in ethnicity. But many of those people are loyal to the nation of Ukraine because, look, if you had to pick between living in Putin's Russia and living in the uh, Ukrainian nation of Zelensky, where would you go? In any event, it is reported that in Kharkiv tonight, it's nighttime there, of course, now, the um, there was a fairly large group of people who kneeled down in the city's main square and, and prayed, uh, prayed for deliverance from the violence, which is horrible. That is remarkable. They just uh, saw a photograph in the middle of the night, St. Petersburg, which is uh, of the former Leningrad, that is the hometown of Vladimir Putin, and there's a huge crowd. Uh, this is, I've been able to talk about oh, who had the biggest inauguration crowd or any of that stuff, but this is a big crowd. And they are demonstrating uh, headline protests are erupting in several Russian cities tonight against Putin's large scale invasion of Ukraine, along with attempts from uh, police to forcibly suppress them. And by the way, at this time of year, February, in St. Petersburg, it's cold. And to have a number of people like that out there, some of them wearing masks, by the way, but uh, not all. It's, um, uh, it's all remarkable and dramatic this time we're living through. The um, Ukrainian president, again, Zelensky's speech at Munich, the Ukrainian president also said, whether they give us hundreds of modern weapons or just 5,000 helmets, these are not noble gestures for which Ukraine should kowtow. This is your contribution to the security of Europe and the world. Then President Zelensky gave the leaders in Munich a longer-range mission that they should urgently undertake, says Joe Lieberman. The architecture of world security is fragile and needs to be updated, Zelensky said. The rules that the world agreed on decades ago no longer work. They do not keep up with new threats. The uh, question to Joe Biden today, right after his... Uh, his brief remarks about the intensifying sanctions. And, and by the way, for people who think it's nothing, 
the reports are that uh, at this point, so far, and it's less than 24 hours since the invasion began, the uh, in the first day, the Russian stock market lost uh, 45% of its value. Some reports say 50% of its value. C can you imagine that? I mean, for people who follow, that would be as if the Dow Jones averages didn't lose a, a thousand points that they would have to lose more than 10,000 points to have uh, the equivalent kind of losses that they're talking about in Russia now this doesn't matter that much because there are not that many Russian folks who actually have any stock at all it's not like the United States where half of our population with 401ks and whatever have, uh, have some share in what the markets are doing in Russia, it's basically just the oligarchs. It's just people who are wealthy. But it's frankly exactly those people who Putin has been basically hyper-serving and who stand behind his rule. Could that change? I think that's one of the things that the United States is hoping for. Um, Peter Alexander of NBC actually challenged President Biden this morning right after the president's remarks about uh, the demand for more severe and more immediate sanctions for the war crimes that are being committed. Uh, here is that exchange. It's clip 22. You detailed some severe and swift new sanctions today and said the impact it will have over time. But given the full-scale invasion, given that you're not pursuing uh, disconnecting Russia from what's called SWIFT, the international banking system, or other sanctions at your disposal. Respectfully, sir, what more are you waiting for? Specifically, with the sanctions we've imposed exceed SWIFT. The sanctions we imposed exceed anything that's ever been done. The sanctions we imposed have generated two-thirds of the world joining us. They are profound sanctions. Let's have a conversation in another month or so to see if they're working. Okay, and uh, the only measure that they're working would be crippling the Russian economy so that they actually pull back or at least stop their advance. Uh, and they're, again, at the gates of Kiev. Uh, then the uh, most important question of all, the one we posed, that was asked uh, uh, by a reporter, is Putin threatening nuclear war? Clip 20. A statement that he gave last night that he gave night will that the what the threat that he gave the West will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. Is he threatening a nuclear strike? I have no idea what he's threatening. I know what he has done. Number one, and number two, no one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. It has to show this is going to take time, and we have to show resolve. So he knows what's coming. And so the people of Russia know what he's brought on them. That's what this is all about. This is going to take time. It's not going to occur. He's going to say, oh, my God, these sanctions are coming. I'm going to stand down. He's going to test the resolve of the West to see if we stay together. And we will. We will. And it will impose significant costs on him. And news from Reuters just breaking. The United States is sending 7,000 more troops to Germany to help reassure NATO allies who are part of a larger contingent that had already been put on alert earlier this year, a uh, senior U.S. defense official said.
you imagine? I mean, here we are, and we're far away, and it feels immediate and threatening and disastrous. Imagine if you were living, say, in Germany, and Russia is literally, well, it's you would have to, as close as the uh, Spokane to some parts of Germany, almost. We'll be right back on the Medved. And on the Michael Medved show, I, I've said many times that I do try to pick out good news when it's available and when it's true. Sometimes there are phony, lots of times there are phony bad news stories that exaggerate things that may be not so great, but then make them into catastrophes and blow them up. But this is something where we had thought we were past this, but uh, we're not. Uh, there's a, um, a piece of reporting saying that uh, uh, concerning COVID right now, the uh, common refrain early in the pandemic was that COVID-19 was most deadly for the elderly and people with certain health conditions. The people dying from COVID-19 now tend to be younger than before, and they are overwhelmingly unvaccinated, experts say. And uh, I've long since lost track of the number of people I've seen die of the disease, but the reality is that almost everybody who is critically ill in the ICU or dying now remains unvaccinated. That has been true since the beginning, but in the beginning, people didn't have the opportunity to be vaccinated. That's what Dr. Stephen Threlkeld said. He's a medical director of the Infectious Diseases Program at Baptist Memorial Health Care in Memphis, Tennessee. Plummeting COVID-19 case counts uh, basically are uh, leading people to feel relaxation and uh, to feel that uh, leading to lifted mask mandates everywhere and more conversations about steps toward normalcy. But guess what? More people are dying of the coronavirus now than during most points of the pandemic. More than 2,000 COVID-19 deaths have been reported in the United States each day for the past month. Okay, that means that you're talking about 60,000, more than 60,000 deaths in the past month. And it's not necessary. Average daily deaths are falling, but they're falling from a very high point. They dipped just below that mark in recent days to about 1,900 on Monday. The federal holiday, uh, the President's Day holiday, may have delayed reporting. Before Omicron became the dominant coronavirus strain in the U.S., there were only about 100 other days of the two years of this pandemic when there were more than 2,000 COVID-19 deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University. The only other time that deaths have been this high for this long was during the first winter surge before vaccines were available. The Omicron wave has also been deadlier for longer than the Delta surge. In September, when Delta was dominant, average daily deaths topped 2,000 for half as long. 
Uh, the U.S. has uh, just expelled the second top Russian diplomat. Not a uh, surprise under the circumstances, I don't think. And uh, then there are uh, more statements from the world community. And it seems to me that that is important to keep track of, that we are not alone on this. Uh, the Putin announced his, quote, special military operation, which is a full invasion. And uh, he sounded like this. This, of course, is a translator speaking for Vladimir. Uh, clip 7. With accordance to the Article 51 in the seventh chapter of the UN Charter with the sanction of the Federation Council and according to the Friendship and Mutual Help Treaties with Donetsk and Lugansk Republics, I have decided to conduct a special military operation. The goal is to protect the people who for eight years suffer bullying and genocide from the Kiev regime. And for this, we aim for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine will bring to the court those who committed multiple sanguinary crimes against civilians, including Russian citizens. We do not plan to occupy Ukrainian territories. Okay, but that's exactly what they're doing. It's, it's beyond disgusting that he talks about denazifying a Ukraine. And uh, there was certainly a great deal of anti-Semitism. There was collaboration by some Ukrainians during the period of time, it was a couple of years, that most of Ukraine was occupied by the Nazis during World War II. But that's a long time ago. The president of Ukraine is Jewish. Yes, that's right, Volodymyr Zelensky, which is an unbelievable thing. Who would have ever thought that in Ukraine? Well, there he is and leading the resistance to Russia. And the idea that, that Zelensky, who has uh, abundant numbers of relatives who were killed by the Nazis, is himself a Nazi. He actually uh, spoke about that and talked about the real path of evil and Nazi-like behavior. This is uh, the president of Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine, clip 11. This morning, dear citizens, this morning has this gone down in history, but his, it is a different history for us and for Russia. We have severed diplomatic relations with Russia. Ukraine is defending itself and shall not cede its freedom, whatever they might think in Moscow. To Ukrainians, independence and the right to live on our land um, is the highest value. Russia has uh, attacked our state uh, in a cunning way, uh, is in the way that the Nazi Germany did uh, during the Second World War. From today, our countries are on opposing sides of world history. Russia is on the path of evil. And does anybody question that? I'm serious. 1-800-955-1776. Starting this war with hundreds of people dead already, perhaps even thousands, and more to come. 
and people's lives disrupted and their life savings in some cases already wiped out refugees fleeing the country anticipating more horrors as the Russians continue anybody question that the Putin path is the path of evil and remember I'm the guy I've always said you don't call your political opponents evil well unless they are as a political opponent Hitler was evil Stalin was evil Putin is evil why do I say that because he hasn't set up vast death camps yet like Hitler or Stalin and I say yet because who knows what the man is going to do but what he has done is plunged the entire world impacting your life impacting your gas prices because that's one of those things that President Biden has actually been kind of honest about it's gonna have an impact on fuel prices all around the world it's going to have an impact on the world economy but to simply allow this to happen without a US response to be timid or submissive in the face of evil and beginning a war without cause with no provocation and this is another thing that the United States did and we did fairly well it was useful remember all those stories about how the Russians were going to be setting up some kind of false flag operation to try to blame Ukraine and say they were starting the war well by saying that of course it made it less likely that they could get away with it and it didn't happen and for Putin oh, what do I need uh, an excuse for we'll, we'll just make stuff up one of the things he said in his long and rambling speech not the one uh, last night but the one before that was that uh, Russia in its whole history has never ever uh, gone to war and attacked a neighbor without cause <laughs> they've um, actually looked at that in a politifact and it's a lie there are at least 15 times where Russia has done that kind of invasion and I'm not even sure that, that includes the depredations of the Soviet Union in 1956 when the Hungarian people were trying to set up a not a democratic fully free free market economy but something a little bit less subject to Soviet conquest they invaded Hungary with tanks and the death of Hungarian civilians was estimated between 50 and 150,000 people. It was bloody and a mess. These are the people that Putin admires. These are the people he served when he was a KGB agent. And do you question that he is on the path of evil? That also came up in UN debate, which we will share talking about the real historical background and more in this greatest nation on God's green earth.